Well, it is arguably the greatest contribution of my generation. Of course, I'm talking about hashtags. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, what did we ever do when we had to actually write out full sentences? And uh, so hashtags are like the greatest thing ever because in just like this small little phrase or even a single word, you can capture just like the whole essence of your feelings, right? And so I love this. I love shorthand, love the hashtags. Uh, Some of you still haven't figured out hashtags because your hashtags are longer than your sentences. Like just had hashtag, just had the best night ever, hashtag awesome, and you got like a million hashtags. And so it totally defeats the purpose for me if I have to write a whole lot. Lot more. Instead, the best hashtags are the ones that are just like one word. They lay it down. Two of the best are this. The first one is this, hashtag goals, okay? And so if you don't know what hashtag goals is, this is basically you saying, I aspire to be like that. Like this is what I want to get there. And so if somebody drops a hashtag goals on your picture, that means that it's like, it's like a respect, like respect. I respect that. I want to aspire to that. And you can also drop hashtag goals on your own pictures too, especially if, for example, you know that like like your crew, the people that you run with, are like the best, and like you just know that, and so you could drop a little hashtag squad goals right on that, okay? And then you guys know what I mean. And uh, so, uh, just so you guys know, back in the day we didn't have this, but if we had, this would be squad goals right here, okay? That's what I'm talking about, all right? This is my crew. This is Logson's Ridge back in the day, all right? We ran that place. And off to the left there, um, the guy that's flexing, it kind of got cut off by the picture with the sweet bowl cut. That's Rob Carpenter right here. That's the guy up here leading worship this morning. And so, yeah, he's, he's totally flexing. And I guess when they told me to flex, I thought Ninja was better. Like, what's up? You know, like, I, I have no idea what that move is, but it's pretty tough, I know. And uh, so there's, there's squad goals right there. So I love that hashtag. Another hashtag that I love uh, that just, like, you see all over the place now is um, hashtag gains. So let me describe what gains is all about. Gains is if, for example, like, you've been working out and, like, you show this picture, like, way back when, when you just used to eat pizza every day. And then now all of a sudden, like, you've spent all this time working out and you've made huge gains and progress. You can drop a gains in the workout world or anything, really, something that you've made progress. And so I just happened to find this picture of Steve Sams before he started working out, and so um, there it is. This is a, that's some true gains right there, right? And uh, I may have just doctored a random picture that I found on the internet. I'll let you be the judge. Um, but as we pick things up today, we're looking at the verse of Philippians 3.14, which is one of my favorite scripture verses, and uh, in it, Paul writes these words. He says this, He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And if they had hashtags back then, it would have been hashtag goals, hashtag games, all in one um, phrase right there. And so as we look today at Philippians uh, 14, 314, you might ask the question, okay, what is that goal? When he talks about pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, that's totally tweetable, right? But what does it mean? What is he trying to say when he says, that is my goal? And so um, we got to look back to last week to get a little bit more context. And so as we look back to last week in Philippians 3.8, he gets on this whole run of, and you can just feel Paul getting really, really excited as he writes these words, and he's just getting fired up, and, and he writes this. He says, indeed, listen, I count everything as lost because of the surpassive, surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, as garbage, in order that I might hashtag gain.
gain Christ. That's what I want. He says, listen, everything else just fades in comparison to one thing. And this is my ultimate goal. And if you don't have a life goal, some of you haven't taken time to write out life goals, let me just give you the most worthwhile goal. Here it is. Just write it down. It's two words. Know Jesus. Know Jesus. There is no greater goal. There is nothing more worthy of your time. There is no worthwhile aim in life than to do simply this, to know Jesus. Paul says everything else is garbage in light of knowing Jesus. Christ Jesus, that I might gain the prize. And here's what we learn as we start out on that journey, and many of you are on that journey, and you've made this decision to say, you know what, that is going to be my ultimate goal. And everything that I do, my life, and every area of my life, this one thing is going to bleed into every other area, and that's this. I want to know Jesus more and more. I want to continue to pursue him more and more. I want to continue to seek him with everything that I have, and that becomes your ultimate goal. And so in everything you do, you've made that your goal. And what you've learned as you've done that is this. When Christ is your goal, you really, truly have the most to gain. When Christ is your goal, you have the most to gain. And I'm not, I'm not trying to preach some prosperity gospel to you today. I'm not trying to say that you're going to get everything that you want if you follow Jesus. In fact, as Paul said, listen, I've lost all things, but I count them as rubbish. I don't even care. It's all garbage to me because all I want is just to know Jesus more and more. When Christ is your goal, you truly have the most to gain. Things like freedom, things like peace that transcends understanding. You can gain the things that not only that we see in this world, but beyond this world. The things that we can't even wrap our heads around. Yet, those are the things that we stand to gain when our goal is to know Christ Jesus. And some of you, if you're honest today, you're like, that is not really my biggest goal. That isn't my goal. I want that to be my goal, or maybe it I once was my goal, but if I really evaluate where I'm at right now, that's not my goal. That's not the chief aim in my life, and the truth is, I'm missing out on all that I could gain in the prize here, here and now, both for, and then also forever, because that's not my ultimate goal. Some of us at some point in time, that was our goal, and we started out, we were fired up about Jesus, right? We are getting in in every way that we could and diving all in and engaging, and it's somewhere along the way, it no longer became the main goal. And here's my challenge. My challenge is to make that your ultimate goal. To reorient yourself in a way to say Jesus really, knowing Jesus really is the goal. Because when Christ is your goal, you have the most to gain. And so the question that I really want to address today is how do we do that? And Paul just gets real practical about some things today in this section of text that I think that we can make a lot of connections to. And I just want to make four connections that I think will help us as we run this race and strain towards the prize, as Paul puts it. And so let's just pray and ask God to just... Uh, just illuminate our thinking today and to allow his spirit to speak to us. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Every time we gather and get the opportunity to open your word, it's a blessing. I just pray, God, that you would help us to be challenged by your word, God, that you would speak to us um, as a community and then also individually in a way, God, that we just are not left the same as when we walked in here today, God. And so by the power of your spirit, would you carry that out? Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we pick things up here in verse 12 today, here's some things Paul has to say about how he presses on toward the goal of Christ. And in verse 12, he says this, listen, not that I have already obtained all this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 
Christ Jesus has already made me his own, so I press on to take it. Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have yet made it my own, but here's one thing I do. I like it. It keeps it simple. Here's one thing I do. I forget what lies behind, and I strain toward what lies ahead. It's such a simple thing in theory, right? So just leave the past in the past, right? So not let our mistakes and, and our failures and all the things that we kind of carry and, and, and carry on our back over the years. It's, just, it's an easy thought, right, to just in theory leave those things behind. But it's so hard to do, isn't it? Because we have the enemy and he's constantly whispering things in our ear like, hey, you're a failure. You remember that time? Yeah, you remember that mistake? That's really what you are. You're just going to live back up to that. And he reminds us of the things that we messed up and the areas that we've just totally blown it. And that's one of his favorite tactics is for us to rehash the past. If I could just rehash the past, I can't really grab hold of the future that Jesus has for me. If I live in the past and continue to be bound by all the mistakes of the past, I can't really get a hold of the future that God has for me. So Paul says, listen, here's what I do. I just forget what lies behind so that I could strain toward what lies ahead. And if anybody had a past, it was Paul, right? We know Paul's story. Paul was the guy that was a murderer of Christians. He persecuted Jesus himself, right, in the sense that he was targeting the people of God. And so he, that, was, that was his life's mission. And God gets a hold of this guy named Paul, and he gives us this 180 and sends him in a new direction. And the last thing Paul needs to do is be like, have this voice in his head that's saying, hey, remember, you're a murderer of Christians. That's who you are. You're never going to amount to much more than that. God's going to use you? Yeah, right. And some of us, we do this to ourselves, don't we? We rehash the past over and over again. And we carry that baggage. Some of us, we do it to one another. We remind each other of the past all the time. Like, hey, remember when you did that? Yeah. And that's a dangerous thing to do. Jess and I, when we go on trips, we have two different styles in terms of getting ready for a trip and uh, specifically packing. Um, for me, I grab the smallest bag that I can find, right, because I don't want to have anything too much. Just like, hey, let's just, you know, we're going on a 14-day trip. That's fine. I need a couple pairs of underwear, a couple shirts, and a pair of jeans. We'll be good. And so I pack all that in there, and she asked me the whole time, like, don't you think you might want this, this, or this? Don't you think you might want this, this, or this? And I'm just like, no, I'm good, you know. And then she starts to pack, right? Much different story. Like, I might need those shoes. You know, we don't know if we're going to go somewhere nice. And so I want to have a couple options when we go. Like, let's go ahead and get this. And she has, to her, to her credit, she's gotten better over the years. But by the time we're, like, ready to go, we've got this suitcase that we actually have to weigh to make sure that they'll, like, allow us on the plane, right? And so I'm like, it's always this stressful moment. Then you go up, and you're like, okay, is it under 50 pounds? Like, let's go. Like, and you, like, lift it up there, and you're like, you're hoping that, like, and then it, like, goes up to, like, 52, and you're like, has he noticed? Does he notice? Uh, Sir, I'm sorry. That's a bad. Like, oh, you know, like, and I've got that bag because I'm carrying it for her because I'm a gentleman. And now I'm holding the bag with all the extra stuff, and she's got my little backpack on her shoulder, like, you know. And I'm like, okay, we got to stuff some of your stuff into my bag now, so, like, now I'm carrying more, and that's fine. That's totally fine. But we have these different styles, right? And what I want to tell you this morning, what Paul is really challenging us with is this. Don't take on the extra baggage. You don't really need that stuff anymore. You don't now learn from it, right? We need to learn from the past, but we've already learned that lesson, so let's not continue to just carry that baggage with us day in and day out. Leave the mistakes at the cross, 
That's what the gospel tells us, is that we get the opportunity to put the failures at the cross, the mistakes at the cross, the sin that we just dove headfirst into. We don't have to do that anymore. We get to leave it at the cross. We get a fresh start. And so let's take that on by the power of Jesus. And in Galatians 5.1, it says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set you free, so do not be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Don't do it. Don't be burdened again by the excess baggage because it is for freedom that Christ has set you free so that with everything in just such a light, traveling light kind of way, you can just run with all that you have toward Jesus. How many of you I told you today, like, just, hey, we're going to go right now and we're going to run a mile. How many of you guys could do that? Okay, so, all right. You're like, cool, I think I could do it. All right, I might die, but um, I would do it. And so, now, what if when we got back, everybody's like, we're all like, okay, I ran as hard as I could. Now we're back in the room. And I said, okay, guys, um, now we're going to run another mile, and I need you to do two things. I need you to, one, beat your time, okay, and two, I need you to put this on. This is 20 pounds, right? So I need you to wear this as you run your next mile, okay? And you ran as hard as you could the first time, but now you have to beat it with this excess weight. Some of you are like, that's crazy, right? That's crazy. There's no way that I could do that. Yet we do the same thing spiritually all the time when we carry and we allow the enemy to just strap us full of all of the baggage of the past as we try to run the race and we just, we can't quite run the same when we're being weighed down. And in Hebrews 12.1, it says this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with, ra- uh, run with endurance the race that is set before us. Don't take on anything you don't need to take on. And when it comes to sin in our lives, it comes to those things that are going to be damaging, that are going to destroy us, don't take on that baggage. Don't be convinced that that's a good idea. Don't write it off as just some little sin. We don't want to take on those extra things if we're going to truly pursue Jesus in the way that we're called to pursue Jesus. And so he says, lay down all that weight. Set it all aside. And so that's challenge number one. Challenge number two, as we read on in verses 14 and 15, is this. He says, Here's, so I, sh- I forget what lies behind, and I strain forward to what lies ahead. And I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of of God in Christ Jesus. And then he says, if you're mature, think this way. And if any and if anything and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Don't you love that? He's basically saying if you're mature, you'll think that way. If not, hopefully God reveals it to you at some point, right? Hopefully you get there. He's saying if you're mature, you're going to have this um, this aim of Christ Jesus and all that you do. You're going to keep your eyes on the prize, and that's challenge number two. My eyes are going to be fixed on Jesus. If I'm going to be running toward the goal to win the prize of Christ, to get the goal, to make him my goal, and to receive the gains of Christ, I've got to keep my eyes on the prize in everything that I do. We've been doing some baseball with Aiden lately, and we started off on the little tee. You know, he set the ball up, and he hits it. And then we're like, let's see, like, how he does with, like, the pitching. And so we started pitching to him, and at first he wasn't so good because, one, he, like, I'd be pitching to him, and he, like, would turn, like, like face on, like, head on me like this, and I'd be pitching. I'd be, okay, like, so I'd have to go over and, like, move him and, like, situate him so that he's actually, like, turned the right way. And then number two was this. We just had to say, and this is the coaching that you always give to kids at first, right? And then it's eyes on what? Eyes on the ball, right? And so you have to watch the ball if you're going to hit the ball. And so I would play this little game like, okay, eyes on the ball. Where'd it go? You know, okay. And the, you know, he'd laugh and it'd be real funny and I'd be a sweet dad joke. And then I'd be like, okay, here we go. And then I'd pitch it and he'd watch the ball. 
<laughs> and when he watched the ball, he would hit the ball. It seems like a pretty simple concept. And we're given some simple coaching, coaching advice here in Hebrews 12, 2, 2, and it just says this. It says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. He's the one that carries out the work of perfecting us, right? He's the one that carries out the process of transforming us. And so our job then is to, in everything that we do, in every way that we can, every opportunity that we have to just get our eyes back on Jesus, so that he can continue to perfect us, so that he can continue to, to stretch us and inspire us and spur us on. And so, eyes on the prize. I've had some issues, some neck issues um, over the past year, and uh, just from really, and uh, I go to see Kevin Poole, who's a guy who goes here, and um, it's really, he said, it's not from an injury, it's from like just a pattern of always like looking down, right? And so working at my computer, looking down, taking emails or on my phone, looking down. And everything that we do, you don't notice really how much you actually are looking down. And I love just talking to him about this and just the science and the neurology behind just the danger of looking down. And it really is scary because our generation is always in this posture, right? We're always looking down. That's where you get these things like text neck that happen, right? Where our necks are literally breaking down because we're in this slumped over position all the time. And so he gave me this challenge and he said, listen, he's like, there's been studies that have been shown that when we're in this kind of position all the time, what we're communicating to our body and what our body's communicating to our brain is this, that you're in decline, that you're in decay. So this position is a position of, and as we get older, we start to get into this position, right? And what we're communicating to our body is that we're in decline, that we're in decay. And so this posture of defeat actually has a neurological implication for us, and it also has a spiritual implication for us. And here's what he said. Here's the line that he told me. He said, here's one thing. If you're going to do one thing better and you want to get better, here's what you do. Look up. Look up. Looking up is living is the way that he said it. Looking up is living. Yet so many of us, we get caught in this pattern and posture of defeat, right, and decay and just bent over and we feel sorry for ourselves. We played the victim, right? All of these things are dangerous patterns for us and, and on a neurological level. And so how do we reverse this trend of being in discouragement and defeat? Well, you do something simple and that's you begin to look up. That doesn't mean that the situations get easier. That doesn't mean that you're not going to face difficult things. In fact, it just becomes about figuring out how to keep my eyes on Jesus regardless of what comes down the pipe. I look up. Why? Because looking up is living. And Paul says, listen, just keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the prize, whatever you do. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Look up. And I love, because there's a whole section of psalms in the scripture, actually, they're called the Songs of Ascent, and uh, I've done some study recently on them, and it's really cool, because here these songs are written as the people of God are making their journey to the holy city, and so they write these words, they capture these words, they sing these songs along the road as they have their eyes fixed toward the holy city, and as they pursue um, uh, uh, the Lord in that way, and so I just love this picture of a people who are taking time to say, I'm going to look back up to the holiness of God, that it's not about me, and yes, I'm going through some difficult things, and, but I'm not going to feel sorry for myself, I'm not going to look down at my shoes and then just be upset and communicate to my body that I'm in decline, no, I'm a person of victory, so I'm going to get my head high, and I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus in everything that I do, eyes on the prize.
And in Psalm 123, it says this, To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. It's just this simple statement of worship to say it's all about you, Jesus. And so here's the question that I have. I know that we do this weekly, and that's why worshiping together and coming into this place and being here and capturing all that we can in this hour together to just be here and lift our eyes to Jesus is so important. But it can't just be a weekly pattern. We can't just come in once a week and be like, okay, I'm going to lift my eyes up to Jesus, and then I'm going to look down the rest of the week. So what is it that we're doing on a daily basis to get my eyes up on Jesus? Some of you, maybe it's like, I listen to podcasts in the car. I listen to music that's going to lift my head up and fix my eyes back on Jesus. I hope for all of us it involves reading the word of God. We lift our eyes to Jesus by reading the word of God. It's such a simple thing that so many of us take for granted. We have the life of Jesus right here, just pouring off the pages of Scripture, if we would just lift our eyes to it and receive it. So what are we doing to continue to lift our eyes to Jesus? How are we gathering with other people that are going to lift us up and to lift our eyes up to the Lord and refocus our attention on Him? So just think about it. What are those patterns that you're doing on a consistent, hopefully daily, hopefully all throughout the day kind of basis where you're just like, maybe you just wake up in the morning and you're like, Lord, you are good. I just want to start off by just saying that every day, Lord, you are good. And then finding things all throughout the day that, again, just lift my chin up, lift my eyes up to Jesus. Because looking up is living. As we read on in verse, after verse 15 into 16, he says this, Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join me, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. <coughs> For as I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. The end is destruction, their God is their belly and their glory, they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. And so he gives us this warning here, and he says, listen, only let us hold true to what we have attained. He wouldn't offer us that warning if we couldn't somehow fall out of what we've already attained, right? So he's basically saying, you've got you to gotta cling to this. You've got to cling to this, because there's a lot of people now that live as enemies of the cross, that once accepted Jesus and, and followed in the footsteps of Jesus. And so here's what you've got to do. You've got to cling on to this. And you got to watch out because all around you are people now that live as enemies of the cross that are focused so much on the world. And these messages, they're just all around us and these influences are all around us. And so what Paul is saying here is you need to be aware of your surroundings. You need to check your surroundings. Otherwise, you too could end up as an enemy of the cross. You can miss out on the goal and the gain of Christ because you're not paying enough attention on a day-to-day basis of where you are. And so, the challenge is, check your surroundings. Watch out that you don't live as an enemy of the cross. We, uh, we, we bit the bullet this past week and got a minivan, so we're now minivan people, and uh, thank you. Um, so, I never thought that I would ever be saying those words, that I was a minivan person, because uh, I always fought the idea. I'm like, no, like that, that makes me feel like I'm getting old and I can't do it. And I, so I was like, no way, no way. But we finally did it. And I never also thought that I would say this, and that's that practicality won out. 
Okay, so it was definitely the most practical decision, right? I, I, I don't know if I ever said that, but, um, but it was. And so we were really excited about getting this new van. And it's got a lot of these cool, like, uh, safety features that some of you guys have had for, like, a long time. But we're pretty, like, excited about. Like, for example, if you, like, change lanes, it tells you. You're, like, if you're out of your lane and you're going to hit somebody. It's like, beep, 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 beep. You know, like, okay, okay, we're back into my lane. You know, like, as if I need that. Like, oh, what are my eyes closed when it's, like, you know. Um, but I'm driving, and then there's, it's got this other thing where, like, you back up. And again, you guys are like, this isn't cool. We've had this for years. And you back up, and it beeps at you when you're going to hit something. If you're driving forward and going to hit something, there's just beeping going on, like, all the time. I'm like, what's going on? And my, my truck actually has the same safety feature, but it just lets me know as soon as I'm running into stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. Trash cans are all over the ground. There were some trash cans back there. That's about all that I get with the truck. But it's all good. And so um, it's just kind of fun to play around with these things. And one of the things that, like, as you're backing up, it has it says on the screen as a little reminder, as it just says this, check your surroundings, right? So that's an important reminder. Check your surroundings. And you don't know if, like, the next-door neighbor's cat that just always comes and, like, sneaks under my car is going to be there at that moment. So I should probably check the surroundings. Make sure there's no children around, right? Like, this is a good habit to as you're backing up to actually check your surroundings. I don't know if you guys have done that before, but either way, it's a good reminder. Oh yeah, I should check around and make sure that everything's good. And I was just having this thought that wouldn't it be nice if as Christians we had this same kind of like built-in safety mechanism that keeps us from danger and that makes sure that we don't run into stuff and that keeps us on the course so that we can win the prize of Christ, right? Wouldn't it be nice if we had something that actually warned us if there was imminent danger, if we were on a path to destruction. Wouldn't it be nice if there was something that warned us, like, oh, don't, you might not want to go there to that place and do that thing. Or, hey, you might not want to pull up that website. That's going to lead to another website. It's going to lead to, you might not want to do that. Or, hey, you know that guy that, like, acts like he's got your best interest in mind? You might want to watch out for him because he, he, he's, he's definitely trying to steer you in a, in a difficult direction. And so, wouldn't it be nice if we had that? And we do, don't we? It's called the Spirit of God. And the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God lives in us. We have the ability to be convicted in such a way that says, oh, if you feel that, if you sense that, don't go there. Don't say what you're about to say. Don't text what you're about to text. Don't do that. And we get these senses all the time. And sometimes we ignore them and just crash into stuff, right? And sometimes we pay attention to it and it brings us life and it leads us in a direction that we are meant to go in. And so pay attention to the Spirit. Be sensitive to the Spirit as it guides you in your everyday life. The words of God right here on the page that we can read, that give us direction for our lives. God, the God of the universe, has spoke to us. He gives us wisdom so that we can make good decisions on a day-to-day basis. And here's another thing that I'll add. And Paul specifically mentions it here when he says, um, look to the examples, right? He says, join me in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Notice he didn't say, pay attention to the people who talk as if they live as an example that we do. He's saying, Listen, watch the people that actually walk it out. Get around those people. Make sure some of those people are in your inner circle. I don't care if they talk the talk. I want to know, do they walk the walk? Do they live this thing out? Does the resurrection of Jesus actually play into their everyday lives and it changes them? Those are the people you need to have around you. And those are the kind of people that we need to continue to be. And so the question is, who's in your inner circle? It's the question that I ask college students all the time as they get ready uh, to, to, 
to head off into college is, and it's the game changer for me, was that when I went to college, God had some people there for me that I could have chosen to link up with or not, but I chose to link up with them because I knew they were going to make me stronger. And that's when my faith really took seed, and it was all because I paid attention to who was in my inner circle. And so I asked him, who's in your inner circle? Who's in your inner circle? Is it people that are bringing you further along this journey to reach the goal of Christ? People who walk in the way of Jesus. And the last challenge I want to give you today that Paul wants to give you today is this in verse 20 and 21. It says this. Listen, some live as enemies of the cross, but here's us. Here's who we are. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him. Every, uh, uh, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The one who has authority over all of us. That's the one that we wait for. And then it says, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy, my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Stand firm. Stay the course. See it through. And I love it because he just gives us this perfect picture of, listen, we're citizens of heaven. We're sons and daughters of God. We have everything to gain if we would only stay the course. If we would only see this through. Man, we have everything to gain. And so we await the Savior, our Lord Jesus, because one day we will be fully united with him. One day we will have that perfect relationship with him. And he will transform us to be completely who we were intended to be by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. So stand firm, friends. And so challenge number four is this. If we want to really see the prize and, and reach the goal, we got to do this. we got to see it through because there's no greater gain. I've been fascinated this past week reading about Alex Honnold. I don't know if that's how you say his name. Um, but uh, I, it's, he's the climber that um, just recently, I don't know if you read this story, but um, he's just a fascinating rock climber, and he, he broke like, the barrier that nobody ever thought that they would uh, break. And that's he climbed El Capitan in Yosemite Park, um, which is the tallest peak in Yosemite Park, over over 3,000 feet tall, without ropes or equipment. So he's just free climbing out there. I mean, no ropes, no equipment. Here's the two options for him as he's climbing out there, is basically no ropes, no harnesses, just finish or fall. Finish or fall. Just keep climbing, right? And here's the cool thing. He, what normally takes climbers four days to climb took him under four hours to climb. Four hours. And I guess if you're going to be climbing, I just want to get it over with, right? Like, just pretend like nothing's back there, and let's just get it over with. And so some of you are like, I don't ever want to be that crazy. But there's a level of respect that I have that he would do that, right, that he would step out and do that. And in one of the interviews, he says, in a real sense, I had already performed the hard work of that free solo in the days leading up to it. Once I was on the climb, it was just a matter of executing. And friends, here's the truth that I want to leave you with this morning. The gospel of Jesus tells us this. Jesus has already done the hard work. We're just executing. We're just finishing the climb. And so my challenge is, and maybe you need to hear this this morning because you've lost heart or you've been a little disheartened or a little discouraged or you don't feel like you really are where you want to be. Here's what I would want to say. Just keep going. Keep going. Keep seeking. Keep climbing. 
Keep finding opportunities to live as Jesus lived. Keep finding opportunities to continue to grow in your faith and allow God to transform you into who you're intended to be. Because the hard work's already been done. We are meant to execute. Christine Kane once said this. She said, we are running from victory, not for victory. We're already victorious because of the cross of Jesus Christ. We get to claim that victory. So let's keep climbing, let's keep seeking, let's keep pressing on toward the goal. And for some of you, you need to just receive that gift for the first time. The work has already been done for you. The Bible tells us that we need to believe and to repent and to be baptized to receive Jesus in that way. And so for some of you, that's the challenge today. I need to do that. The work's already been done. Why would I not do that? Why would I not receive that gift? And so some of you, that would be the challenge. Some of you, you know that at some point you stopped climbing. Maybe you stopped caring. And so my challenge would be get your eyes back on Jesus. Fix your attention back on him. And so let's start climbing again. Let's get back on course. Let's continue to pursue him because we, friends, have everything to gain. So keep climbing. Keep seeking. Keep pressing on toward the goal to gain the prize. Let's pray. God, I just want to lift up all the sons and daughters in the room this morning. And we're all sons and daughters of you. By the power of Jesus. Not because of anything we've done, not because of anything we've done right or wrong. But simply because you are good. And because you loved us. And you sacrificed everything for us. And so I just pray, God, if there's a barrier for someone this morning, that you would remove that. If there's some baggage that they've been carrying, God, that you would help them to check that. If, if God, they just need to make a decision that they've been dragging their feet on, I pray that they would make that decision. Maybe for some it's a recommitment to say, I haven't been doing it. That hasn't been my goal. I want to make that my goal, God. And so I just pray that you would work on the hearts of your people today. And God, I pray that we would never look back because we have everything to gain in you. In Jesus' name we pray.